So we've been having a lot of fun the last couple of weeks. We started a brand new series. Series called Till the Walls Fall Down. Till the Walls Fall Down. And I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever felt like you're walking in circles around a challenge? You ever felt like, man, I'm just going around in circles? It's like I'm, it feels like I'm just on this aimless journey. Like I'm just continuing to go on and on and on and nothing's changing. Nothing's moving. I'm not seeing any breakthroughs. I'm not making any progress. It doesn't feel like I'm going anywhere. Well, this series, my friend, will enlighten each and every one of us to how we avoid this, this path of circles. See, this series is all about breaking through the walls that limit us from progress about breaking through walls that blind us from the good things that God has ahead for us, about overcoming the overwhelming and imposing size of the problems that loom all around us, of breaking free from the restrictions that keep us stuck and, and, and restrict us from moving into new beginnings and the continued momentum that God wants to empower us to walk with. See, our study is based on the occasion of a moment when the people of Israel were facing a battle. It was one of many battles, and it was a battle on the journey to a place called the Promised Land. And at the first stop was this city called Jericho, and Jericho was known for its impenetrable walls. It was known for the fierce Canaanites who dwelled there. Many of them were big people. And so the people of Israel had to face these walls. They had to overcome them. But in order to overcome them, they needed to do some things along the way with God. And this battle resulted in a great victory, as we'll see, because when they went and faced Jericho, the walls fell down. The walls fell down. And friend, I don't know what walls you may be facing. I don't know what walls may constrict you in your heart and in your mind. I don't know what challenges you'll face along the way. But what I will tell you is this. That the same way God brought the walls down for them, God will bring down the walls for you. And so today, I want to talk to you on the topic of circling your walls. Circling your walls. I bring you no opinion today. I simply want you to consider what the Word of God says. And the reason why we're going to talk about circling walls is because while this was a great victory that took place at the walls of Jericho as God intervened and these walls came crashing down, this victory came about as they walked around in circles. In circles. They circled these walls. And I would imagine that as they were going around in circles, I want you to think about this as a strategy to win. If God told you, I want you to walk around in circles around the walls that you're facing, around the challenges. I just want you to walk around in circles. I guarantee you that many of us will go, yeah, that's a strategy to lose. There's no breakthrough in that. I've been walking around in circles all my life. And, but you see, as they walked around those, those walls, I imagine that they probably felt nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. There's no breakthrough taking place. And yet, they continue to circle these walls. Let's look at the portion of Scripture that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. In Joshua chapter 6, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the who? The Israelites, because of God's people. 
and no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into whose hands? Your hands. Now, you're talking about Joshua. How about yours? How about yours? You got to tell somebody, God has delivered your victory into your hands. Yeah, absolutely. God has delivered your victory into your hands. He says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. And then he says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. He says, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound the long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. I think we might knock some bricks down with that one. Maybe a brick or two. Maybe, maybe a cinder block or two. Right? I don't know about walls. Right? But we're going to get there, guys. Every week it's getting a little bit better, right? It goes on to say, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Look, there's no denying that this was a great victory at Jericho. But we have to ask this question in life. What do you do when God is giving you a revelation from his word concerning your purpose, but it seems like it isn't coming to pass? I mean, what do, what do you do when, when you're standing on God's promise concerning your child, concerning your spouse, concerning your marriage, concerning your home, concerning your business, concerning the things that you see happening in your community, concerning what you see happening in your, in your field of expertise? What do you do when you see those things, but instead of breakthrough, what you see is problems, more problems? What do you do when you're doing your best and you're doing what's right, but everything's going bust and everything's going wrong? What do you do? And according to the biblical record, it might appear that the solution would be to do what Israel did. To just walk around in circles. To just continue to circle around and just hope and a pray and a wish and a hope that maybe something will change after this lap in life. But friends, I would submit to you differently. Because for some of us, we might be misinterpreting from the scripture. Well, I'm just supposed to just keep going in circles aimlessly. And I I would submit to you that there is a difference because God did not call them to walk around in circles. And God has not called you and I to walk around in circles. God gave them a completely different instruction. He told them, circle the walls. And for some of us, we're saying, well, isn't that the same thing? No, it's completely different. Because as they circled the walls, there was an attitude, there was a belief, there there, there was an orientation, a a, a focus, there was a strategy at work. And friends, you can continue to walk in life in circles, or you can begin to circle your walls as you walk with God and employ the strategies that the King of Kings gives you to overcome. And so today I want to talk to you on this issue of circling walls. Because circling malls is more than walking around in circles. And we're going to see that there are some key things that the people of Israel were doing as they circled these walls that proved pivotal as they walked with God. And they teach us how to endure until we see our breakthroughs. And so the first thing that we see by example from this scripture is that we must obey God. We must obey God. I thought I'd get about one amen on that one. I figured that much. We must obey God. What are you talking about? 
It sounds pretty simple, but it's actually a little bit more than what we think. See, Israel's breakthrough did not take place at the walls of, as the walls of Jericho came crashing down. That wasn't the victory. That wasn't the place of victory. Israel's breakthrough took place at the walls of their disobedience when they came down. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Joshua 5, 6 says this. Joshua 5, 6 says, The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until the men who were of military age, uh, uh, until the men who were of military age uh, when they left Egypt had died. And since they had not obeyed the Lord, for the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us. A land flowing with milk and honey. Let's leave that verse up. I want you to consider what's happening here. Before they circled the walls of Jericho, they spent 40 years walking around in circles because of their disobedience. And you know what that teaches us? It teaches us a, a valuable lesson, a powerful lesson. Oftentimes, we try to obey God in the moment, but we don't have obedient hearts. We don't live lives of obedience. We don't live lives that honor God. We don't make choices that factor God into the equation. We want to obey God when it benefits us. The problem is that that is a, a strategy to go bust. That's not going to work because what we're doing is we're using God for his resources without the source. We're trying to exclude God in the process. God, just give me what I want. God, just bless me. Just bless my children. Just God, just increase my business. God, just help me in this time of need. But we don't have obedient hearts. We don't have, obedient, we don't have an, an obedient posture before God. And what this tells us, friends, is that the reason why a two-week trip took 40 years was because these people did not want to obey God. Let me ask you a question. If this was a courtroom today and you were on trial for having a heart that is obedient to the Lord, would you be found guilty? Would there be sufficient evidence to convict you of being obedient? Something to think about. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. Because that was a hard truth, man, and I, and I felt the daggers coming from every way. I get it. This is, I, this is tough stuff. But you see, we're not called to obey God in the moment. We're called to follow after God with a heart of obedience. And when we have a heart of obedience, we're ready when the instruction comes to act. We're ready. We're ready. So why was it so hard for them to obey the Lord? What was so difficult about doing what God commanded them? And why is the same true for some of us today? You know, oftentimes the reason why we fail to experience breakthrough is because we miss the goal of obedience in small areas. In small areas. I mean, like, do we actually care about people the way the Bible tells us to? Do we actually forgive the way the Bible tells us to? Do, do, does our worship of God go beyond these walls? Right? Are we meditating on the truth in the scriptures beyond a Sunday? Because between Sunday and next Sunday, there's 167 hours. 
What are we doing with those 167 hours that orients us in a direction where we are truly following after God? Where we're making decisions where his truth is before any decision that we make. And sometimes what that means is the truth is going to trump what I want. The truth is going to go against what I desire. The truth is going to go against my plans and my vision and my comfort and my joy. But see, here's the, here's the truth, friends. When we live with, with an obedient posture before the Lord, here's what you can guarantee. Here's the guarantee we have. The walls will fall. And oftentimes, the reason why we feel entrapped in life is because we're not tearing down walls because we're disobedient. Instead, we're building them because we choose our own way. Yeah. Somebody say, it's time to tear some walls down. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, if, 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 if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, if, keep my commands. Keep my commands. There's a simple recipe to following God. It's simple and yet it's complicated. But it doesn't have to be complicated. The command is simple. Do things my way. Love. Forgive. Do it with integrity. Honor God. Honor people. Right? Do what's right, even when it hurts. Yeah. It sounds simple. And it is. Here's when it gets complicated. When the command doesn't match our comforts. When the command conflicts with my desires. It's the reason why Jesus says, if you love me, if you, you, if you love me, keep my commands. See, the reason why they kept going around in circles was because they did not love God. They didn't. They were a stubborn people, a disobedient people. And so they kept going around in circles because they did not love God. See, obedience to God that is not founded on the love for God is simply religion. It's religion. And here's the thing about religion. Religion doesn't work because religion becomes about what I do for God so what I, so what I can get from God. And it excludes relationship with God. Last time I checked... Relationships where business is the center of it, intimate relationships where business is at the center of it, don't work. Why? Because we haven't been called to a business transaction with God. We've been called to a love relationship with God. So when Israel circled Jericho that day, it wasn't simply... Because God said they should. You got to understand that according to the scriptural reference that we have, it took 40 years for them to get there because for 40 years, 
a generation of people that were disobedient to the core had to pass away. What does that tell us? You can't proceed with disobedience into any promise that God has for you. We, gotta be, we, we have to have a, an obedient posture before the Lord. The second thing that we see here is that we must keep marching on. Got to tell somebody, march on. march on. Tell another two people, keep marching. keep marching. Yeah, keep marching. That's right. We must keep marching. Listen, the instruction that God gave Joshua for the people was that they were to march around the walls of Jericho for six days. On each day, they were to march around once. And there was a specific order, a strategy to this. God told Joshua, you're going to put the men of war at the front and at the back. And you're going to put the, peop- the, the priests in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And they're going to have these trumpets. But here's what he also told them. You're going to circle these walls for six days, one time each day. And then on the seventh day, you're going to circle it seven times. But on every single time that you go around in a circle up until the last day, You're going to do it in complete silence. Now, why would God tell them? What kind of strategy is that? That God would tell them, you're to do this in silence. And what this demonstrates for us is that the people were marching in silence and in formation for a specific reason. The instruction to circle the walls was a military strategy that called for the people to keep moving forward in silence. Why? Because if you're silent, you can't voice your doubts. You can't complain and be silent at the same time. I want you to think about this. When the people of Israel got stuck for 40 years in the desert, you know why it was? They made it out of Egypt and they said, man, it was so great when we were slaves and we used to get some fish and some bread. Man, I miss those days. Didn't we tell you to just leave us stuck in the muck like a duck? Just leave us alone. Leave us there. They wanted, they did not want to do what God told them. They did not want to march ahead. And so they remained stuck. And so God literally is teaching them as they march. You know, in the military, marching is a military strategy for war. Marching is a military strategy. See, in ancient times, the most powerful and efficient and developed empires uh, developed ways of moving troops. And so they marched together from one place to another. It was training. And the theory was that without marching formations, masses of soldiers would end up getting lost on the way to battle because they would not grow accustomed to marching and working with the group of people that they were always marching with. In other words, they would, if, they would, if they weren't marching in formations, everybody would be going, well, where's my team? So let me just join this one. But the problem is you didn't train with these people. You didn't learn with these people. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't grow together with these people, which means that it was a strategy to organize the people and, and rally them together and train them for what God wanted to do. So listen to what the Lord is teaching us through this. The reason why you and I have to continue pressing on and marching and trusting God as we face challenges is because it is 
training. But it hurts. Keep marching. But the doctor said, keep marching. But I don't understand. Keep marching. But it's hard. Keep marching. But I want to give up. Keep marching. But I feel like I'm just, like I'm not getting anywhere. Keep marching. The order is march. I'll tell you how the Lord told me this years ago. He told me, he would never say this to you, but he told me. He told me this. Shut up and march, Jose. Stop your whining, stop your complaining, stop your excuses, and start marching. Now, I'll tell you something about marching that I learned along the way. It comes directly out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. What, I'm, what, what we're going to see here is that it's training. It prepares us. Starting at verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or that I have already arrived at my goal. But I press on, I press on, I press on. And the reason why I press on is because in pressing on, I can take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, my brother, my sister, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Here's the goal. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I press on. Tell somebody else, press on. Tell somebody else, you're not done. Keep pressing on. Come on, we got to keep pressing on. See, the Apostle Paul shares with us an interesting revelation about pressing on, about marching on. He teaches us that it trains us by helping us undo and let go of the past behind us. In other words, as you continue to push ahead and move forward with what the Word of God says, with what the Word of God instructs you, with the people of God, with the community that God has planted you in, with the things that God has called you, as you continue to press on, here's what's happening. You're creating distance from what you learned previously. You begin to undo what was behind you because what's ahead of you is so much closer. It's so much clearer. It's so much bigger than where you've been. Friends, could it be that the reason why some of us feel like we're trapped in walls is because we're close and personal. We're intimate with a past that we're supposed to move on from. That's the second thing it teaches us. It teaches us that uh, marching on trains us by helping us mature along the way so that we can be prepared for the breakthrough. See, everybody wants instant gratification. I want my breakthrough now. But let me tell you something about breakthrough. Breakthrough is also a process of development. I remember years ago uh, when Pastor Ned and I broke through into ministry. It wasn't from a pulpit. It wasn't with a microphone in our hands. It wasn't even because we were seasoned in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, we were just getting started, right? We were just beginning to learn some things that were really scripturally accurate. We were beginning to get surrounded with some people that were mature. There were some challenges there too. 
But our breakthrough moment, I'll tell you where my breakthrough moment started. My breakthrough moment was at a toilet. It was at a toilet. That was my breakthrough moment. Pastor Nett's breakthrough moment was in an office that was smaller than your average closet. And it wasn't because she worked there. She would get out of work and she would take all of her experience with financial uh, management and all that other stuff. And she, would, we w- she was helping the church that we were at figure out the mess that had been created with the finances. Implementing systems. And me, back to toilets. You know how I ended up at a toilet? I ended up at a toilet out of a conversation with the pastor. I was in the church maybe a week, two weeks. We're talking and, and I see all this paper on the floor. And I said, Pastor, what's, what's with all this paper? Because I got a little OCD. You know, like, I, I, it's like, nobody's doing anything about this. It's just bugging me. It was driving me crazy. And so I said, Pastor, what's with all this paper? How come nobody's picked it up? He says, well, son, if nobody's seen it, maybe it's because God is calling you to do something about it. I took no offense to that. You know what I understood by that? I fit. Like, I actually can do something here. And so I specialized in picking things up and putting them down. I specialized in showing up early, being the first one there when they were opening the gates, and being the last one when everybody else was gone. I specialized in doing anything and everything that I could. And it was, and we didn't do anything that we did. Anything that we did, we did not do it for accolades. We did not do it with, for, with position in mind. We did not knew it, do it for notoriety. We didn't do it for a paycheck, I can tell you that much. And I'll tell you what else. We didn't do it with any aspiration to lead a ministry. And I was, man, listen, man, Mr. Clean had nothing on me. <laughs> Pinesol, some of you know what I'm talking about. Pinesol, right? In Spanish, they call it Pinesol, right? It's completely wrong, right? But I specialized in this. Why? Because for me, I understood. You, you got to understand that when I came back to the things of the Lord, I was in a gutter. I had burnt so many bridges, hurt so many people, broken so much trust in my family that I was literally in a no man's land on my own. And I felt stuck, like I was walking in circles. And so for me to be able to pick up a a toilet brush and clean a toilet was an honor because I was very clear the gutter that God brought me from. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to tell you something about marching. Oftentimes, when when you're marching in the lane that God has called you to, it's not fun. Sometimes it doesn't even feel fair. Why do I have to clean toilets while everybody's over there laughing and doing what they want to do? I'll tell you why. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, Lord, that you, you, you've cleansed me, Lord. You've, you've lifted me, Lord. You're changing me, Lord. There's a work you're doing in me, Lord. I may, I may struggle, but I'm not strangled. Friend, I'm telling you, you got to keep marching on. The last point I want to leave you with here is that we must be ready for a fight. You're going to start circling some walls. You're going to start employing kingdom strategy in your life. 
you need to understand something. You got you to be ready to put on your gloves. You've got to be ready to act upon what God is showing you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The Lord instructed Joshua to circle the walls with priests and fighting men. God does nothing by accident or by coincidence. There was a strategy to this. You see, priests, the way they took action in God's military strategic system, the way priests took action is they prayed, they ministered to the Lord, and they served the people. The fighting men, on the other hand, were men of action. They looked forward to the opportunity as they advanced against Israel's enemies and they engaged the enemy on the battlefield. What this shows us is, is that breakthrough is comprised of two things, friends. Breakthrough is comprised of faithfulness that ministers to the Lord, that worships the Lord, that factors the Lord into the equation and everything. In other words, you live your life in such a way that you seek to honor God. And how do we do that? We do it because we love God. We do it because God loves people. And we, and we show up and we show out no matter where we're at. Why? Because we do it all unto the Lord. That's what the priests do. But the men of war, they also understand this. We can't be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. We also have to put our gloves on and apply ourselves in life. And for some of us, we've been sitting on the sidelines too long. Waiting for God to fight our battles. And the battle is the Lord's. It is the Lord's. But guess what? He calls you mighty warrior and he tells you, step onto the battlefield with me. You and I play a part. And so if you're going to break through and see these walls fall down, if you're going to get ready for fighting, then you must understand some kingdom strategy on how to fight. The first point that I want to leave you here with is that 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, looking for someone to devour. Here's what we know about lions. Lions do not go after the strong in the herd. They do not go after the strong in the herd. Lions always look for the weak point. They look for the one who's lagging. They look for the one who's pulling away from the pack. They look for the one who's hurting alone. And you know what that teaches us, friends? Look, we all suffer hurts. But here's where it's really painful when we hurt alone. Here's where life gets really hard and we become prone to subject to the enemy's attacks. Here's where there's a short recipe to fall when we do this alone. You see, we must always remain at the ready in our areas of weakness because that's what the enemy's looking for. But let me tell you, we all have weaknesses, but there's a way to be strong in the midst of weakness. When you're running with the herd, you may be hurting, but you got help. Yeah. It may be hard, but you got help. And so the scripture tells us that we must remain aware. We must be sober, clear in our understanding. 
that this is how the enemy works. He wants to devour me in the areas of my weakness, and so I need to get around some strength. This isn't a plug for connect groups, by the way, but let me just say this to you. There's power amongst God's people together. Yeah. Yeah. James 4 verse 7 says this. Submit yourself. Submit yourself. Submit yourself. Somebody say submit. submit. Tell somebody else submit. submit. Did you just notice the look they gave you when you said that word? We don't like that word submit. What do you mean submit? I'm not submit. The Bible says submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let's leave that verse up. The word submit there in the Greek is a military term. And what it denotes is the person who understands that I am a part of this overall structure. In order for me to operate and succeed, I have to work within the confines and the parameters of the people that God has surrounded me with, that I am planted amongst. And as long as I'm doing my part, I may be a private and you may be a general, but if we're all doing what we need, guess what happens? Everyone wins. And so here's what the scripture is telling us. Submit yourself to God. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Do it in such a way where you are willing to apply his wisdom and his ways to your life. And when you do, the devil has to flee. He has to flee. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this. For though we live in this world. We do not wage war as the world does. Goes on to say, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now watch how you and I use kingdom tools, resources. Watch how we use divine weapons to overcome the stranglehold of things that keep us stuck in life goes on to say we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ leave that scripture up for us please what the scripture is telling us here that the way that we fight and we win it's not just in the natural it's also between our ears. You want to fight the spiritual battle that you're called to fight? Here's where the fight is. Here's the battleground. The mind. And what the scripture tells us is that the only way we can win the battle between our ears and see walls fall is by identifying the lies by the truth that we know. Let me tell you why it's so important to become a student of the Word of God and not just hear the Word of God. Let me tell you why it's important to get intimate with the truth in God's Word. Because once you know the truth, you're always able to identify lies. And the enemy operates according to one thing, one weapon. He lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. 
And when he speaks in his native tongue, Jesus said, he can only speak lies. So the only way to overcome the liar and his condemnation and his accusations and his trickery is by knowing truth to the extent that we can begin to discern his lies and speak truth to the lie. The moment you start understanding the truth of God's word and you hear the lie, here's how you take it captive. The doctor said, but the word of God tells me that by his stripes, I am healed. I may be in a temporary situation, right, where my funds may appear to be lacking, but I know this, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I may be lacking in experience and I might not seem qualified to people. But I know this, that God has created me for good works. That he has anointed me and his word says that I have an anointing and I know all things. And so I know that I am equipped and as I take steps... The Lord will enlighten me to his truth and show me the way as I go step by step. The only way to take lies captive is to know more truth than the lies that you've been acquainted with. Friend, family, if you're going to circle your walls, you have to understand that it's not about walking in circles anymore. It's about actively participating with God on this journey. It's about doing what's right, doing what's honorable, doing what's good. It's about having a heart postured after obedience. In other words, I'm not waiting for God to tell me something to obey. I'm going to do what God's word says regardless. Yeah. I'm going to trust that as I do what God's word says, I'll get what God's word promises. Yeah. It takes engaging in life daily, not waiting for fights to come, but being sober-minded, being alert, and being aware that God wants you to walk in breakthrough. But you and I have to participate with God. Come on, if you believe that today, would you give God some praise? Let's stand here today as we come to a close. You know, if there's one thing that the walls of Jericho teach us and how God empowered his people in that process is this, is that we serve a God of breakthrough. And I know this, whether you believe in Christ or you don't, here's the truth. We all face those moments where we feel stuck. Where we feel like There's no way out of this. Where we question and we struggle. And we believe that the direction we're going in is aimless, but we know nothing better. Friends, today, I want you to consider what God is saying to you. What is Jesus speaking to your heart right now? What is he telling you about the walls that you face? What is he speaking into your life right now about the walls that some of us have created? What is he telling you about the places 
where you feel like you can't go on. I would dare say this. He would say, keep marching on. I would dare say that he's saying to you and I, it's time to recognize the fight and start doing things my way instead of doing them your way. It's time to trust me because I'm leading you and I assure you that those walls will fall. Father, today we thank you. Thank you, Lord, because you are a strong God. There's none like you, Lord. Your word says that the mountains melt like wax before you. You're the God who parts the seas. You're the God who takes ashes and turns them into crowns of beauty. You're the God that looks at what we see as impossible and says, all things are possible with me. You're the God who looked at broken people and provided a way to mend us and make us and heal us and redeem us and restore us. You're the God that looks upon us and when we are weak, yet we are strong because we operate in your strength. You're the God who loves us and you're the God who calls us. Today, Lord, we look to you and Father, we just are, we're just so grateful. Grateful for what you've done for us. Hmm. 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 Don't overlook God's mercy in your life. Don't, don't you forget every single time that when you couldn't, you did because God showed up. Don't you forget that he's with you and he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. Don't you neglect the fact that he loves you. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, strengthen your people this day. I pray that where they've seen walls, Lord, that you would enlighten their understanding to know your power towards them and to see that behind every wall, Lord, there's an enemy shivering because you are with them and you are for them. Thank you, Lord, for your strength that sustains us and your promise that gives us hope. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.